Hello and welcome to David Foster Wallace and Gromit, the only officially unlicensed Infinite Jest fan cast. Uh, my name is Jared, with me always is Steve, uh, here to discuss, uh, obviously, David Foster Wallace's seminal classic Infinite Jest, as well as Culture at Large and a novella or short story of my choosing. Uh, hey guys. Uh, our, uh, Steve, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing just fine. You know, I'm really feeling renewed, spiritually renewed, physically renewed, mm-hmm. and really mentally renewed. I'm really getting into, let's call it the orange lifestyle, and I yes. will I will start with a greeting by saying Baha'i to you and Baha'i to everyone who's listening, particularly our friends in, in the country of the Netherlands. Yes. Back to you. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's certainly a, a, a spirit of, of renewal and, uh, and, and, you know, repose uh, over this podcast over the past few weeks as we've really dove headfirst into Operation Orangeland. Uh, all thanks to, of course, Holiday Inn, Folgers, and, and the new Dutch family. And it means so much to us that we're able to, uh, you know, create these really actionable and, and long-lasting partnerships. Uh, now, Steve, we do have a guest this week. Uh, it, you know, friend of the wow. pod, uh, remote, really? cor- re- remote correspondent, uh, of course, part of the, the extended David Foster Wallace and Gromit uh, Podcasting Industries LLC family. Uh, we're here with Jordan. Jordan, say hello to the listeners. Hi. Uh, and Jordan, you know, how about you uh, give him a brief introduction as to, you know, maybe a little bit of your literary background, you know, what makes you a qualified uh, public intellectual? And, and of course, uh, you know, what, what gives you the right to muse on David Foster Wallace's seminal classic in literature at large? Well, you know, um, they say I'm an intellectual of sorts. Um, don't really know about that. Um, I've known to secretary a few book clubs in my right. time. What's about the book uh, club? Oh, well, uh, you know, just a small little book club between friends trying to keep it small this time around. Um, we're reading, obviously, novels of sorts um the first one being a cold war novel the second one being a look into soviet standards of living and and religion in in the 1920s wow okay wow. you know it really sounds like it's up our alley you know mm-hmm. it really does seem like sort of the neck of the woods that we've gained expertise in over the last uh, number of years so we are really happy to have, obviously, clearly a historical and literary expert uh, in, in, in our midst. In our and midst, we're yeah. very, very appreciative of that. Thank you. Uh, now, Jordan, I just Great want to, to start off you know, a little bit of a Q&A um, before we get into some of the day's events. Maybe just to get a chance for our new Dutch family, for all the astute listeners out there, to uh, all the grommet heads, the cave dwellers, the creatine loaders, give them a chance to, to get to know you a little better. What would you say is the best book you've read in the past year your favorite your favorite novel your favorite literary work of the past year i think i'm gonna have to go with the spy who came in from the cold okay um it's a that is the wrong answer it is a well it is it is in fact a very good story about the the correct answer let me just jump in here and that is the the correct answer for our listeners is in fact the prophet by khalil gibran and that is something we will be getting into later in the show. That is this week's selection, our supplemental you know reading material to, of course, our, our main topic of Infinite Jest. Um, and Jordan, I guess another question, you know, uh, we talked a little bit off pod about the nut power ranking. And obviously, you know, as, mm-hmm. as a listener yourself, you know a lot about this pod's fascination with, with tipples and treats, the, the classic TT of DFWAG. Uh, if you were to say your number one tipple, your number one beverage of choice uh, for reading your, uh, of course, Infinite Jest selection and your novella of your choosing, uh, what would you say that beverage of choice is? Oh, I'm, I mean, kombucha. 
Kombucha. Yes, Obviously. that's right. A Obviously. little sparkling fermented tea for everyone out there who's yeah. not aware. I don't really want to go anywhere without my booch. Mm-hmm. Straight up. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you, you, you have to have it with you at all times. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, for everyone out there, uh, a probiotic treat, certainly no stranger to this podcast. Healthy, as tummy, we are, ha- happy life. Yeah. As we are, or, or rather, we're previously in our in our Operation Greenland Day sponsored by the, that's right, the North American Vinegar Initiative. Thank you so much to the North American Vinegar Initiative for all of the work you do with our probiotic treats. Why am I doing that? Can you read me today's date? April 18th. Thank you. And that is for our listeners, you know, don't, don't think we forgot about you. We understand it is well into the month. We're, we're about two thirds of the way into the month, but that's right. We do have the uh, monthly David Foster Wallace and Gromit trend report to debut. That's right. The trend report for April. Steve, how highly anticipated is this trend report considering the response to marches? Well, I will say personally, I've had dozens of people walk up to me on the street uh, begging for the latest trend report. Uh, really, I mean, the, the people have been clamoring for it. This is something that took the world by storm. Uh, everyone is interested in the DFWAG trend report. What's hot, what's not, what's in, what's out. And everybody, you know, everybody wants to know really, what am I supposed to look toward next? Um, it, you know, it's not easy to go out there and traverse the world and traverse, culture and and that's something we do provide here at dfwag and that is that is a blueprint a rubric uh for getting into what is in and what is out and so that's just uh it's just a privilege to be able to to be able to provide this and uh everybody's excited for it everybody has been yeah i mean i i've i've had hundreds of text messages, thousands of emails, and dozens of people walking up to me on the street and asking, where is the trend report? Why did it take so long for the new trend report to come out? It's already mid-April, and I'm dying to know. I've gone through half the month without my trend report. I've gone through half the month without knowing what's in and what's out. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's, you know, it's somewhere between furious and ecstatic. Mm-hmm. People, are, people are going nuts. You know, speaking of the nut ranking from our discussions earlier, people are going nuts. People are losing their minds in anticipation for this this uh, latest trend report. So I guess I'll send it right back to you, Jared. Yeah, I mean, we've really reached a uh, collective fever pitch around the anticipation of this trend report. And uh, of course, you know, we are not the ones setting the trends. We are only reporting on them. And uh, it, it's a great honor. It's a great honor to be able to share this with the listeners out there. Now, let's just jump right into it. Jordan, are you ready? Absolutely. Okay. So now this is structured as before into uh, five categories. We have food and drink, entertainment, fashion, activities, and celebrities, uh, in case you're interested in celebrity gossip, or or maybe uh, modeling your lifestyle after one of these celebrities. Um, For uh, food and drink, of course, we have in honey roasted and or spicy peanuts. Uh, Out, of course, air fryer, anything air fried, any sort of air fried food. Um, Good riddance. For entertainment, let's do out first. For entertainment, out are sea shanties. And we understand that's difficult for a lot of our listeners to process. This is a very nautical-themed podcast, a very, uh, uh, you know, sort of ensconced in, in, in ideations of the sea and of a sailor's lifestyle. We understand it's difficult for, for listeners to process. But, that's of course, for me. in 
uh, EBM. Uh, for our listeners not familiar, EBM is electronic body music. It's really big in Ukraine and among neo-Nazi movements. It's a kind of industrial uh, electronic music, uh, not entirely as well known in the U.S. or as as uh, as popular and, and uh, prolific in the U.S. Mm. But uh, all the same, for April, and it's in. It's 100% in. For can fashion, I jump, can yeah, I jump go ahead. back and and clarify really quick? Let me jump back to the sea shanty sure. uh, debate, the great sea shanty debate. Uh, and I do want to clarify something, uh, not only with you, but also for our Irish listeners. Does Now, this doesn't say anything about our relationship with the country of Ireland or, uh, of course, the region of North Ireland. Mm-hmm. This doesn't say anything about that, or, uh, the, the removal of sea shanties from the cultural uh, mainstream. Am I correct in saying that? It does not, but for again, for our astute listeners, they will understand that we are a pro-Ireland uh, podcast. This is a this is a pro-Irish unification podcast. Right, you're Understood. not you're not sitting there saying to keep your cuckles and muscles to yourself. You're we are you're in, saying yeah, historically it's just not hot right now. Historically pro-IRA podcast, but sea shanties are not hot currently. Gotcha. Okay. Um, F- so right. maybe farewell and adieu, all you fair sea shanties. 100%. Absolutely. When I say, look, no more moving into April and, of course, May, am I saying, yo ho, yo ho, a pirate's life for me? Understood. Um, now, for fashion, out, we have hand painted garments. Uh, I think that speaks for itself. They're tacky. Uh, it's a little gauche. Couldn't be me. Uh, in, Dutch braids. Now, of course, our new Dutch family is going to love that. And I'm talking about, I'm not just talking about the classic, wow. you know, perpendicular sort of parabolic braids coming out the side of your heads. I'm talking about the, of course, the early aughts, Allen Iverson stacked Dutch braids coming down the back of your head. Classic look, classic. Our look. Dutch fans are going to love that one. Mm-hmm. And I do, um, I, I do have a, another clarification, sorry. Please. Just yeah, no, go ahead. Maybe if we could leave a space in between them uh, so that I can uh, chime in. Uh, hand-painted garments, does that, does that also go hand-in-hand hand with tie-dye? Does that mean tie-dye is out? Tie-dye was out as of last month, yes. Ah, Question. okay, so tie-dye is definitely out. That's a double out for tie-dye. Let's go anybody ahead and say... Seeing, anybody caught seeing wearing tie-dye on the streets, what do you think should happen? It's on site. It's on site for them. Put the mitts on them. Now, activities, uh, out are tarot cards. Not, not the uh, artistic direction behind them. Obviously, this is a podcast that at one point in time used to really go nuts for some of the... Uh, let's say metaphorical value and the the uh, the art history behind uh, the the rider weight deck, um, but this is more about uh, you're at a party, you walk in, smoky room, some dipshit's been smearing uh, sage around, and uh, and then there's some real vibey girl in the back who wants to do a, your tarot reading for maybe a five dollar bill or maybe to bum a cigarette off you, and that's not allowed anymore. Um, in however, woodworking, I'm talking about general woodworking. I'm not just talking about uh, you know, building. I'm talking about wood burning. I'm talking about maybe a, a fixation, uh, doing the research on wood. I'm talking about t- devoting your life to uh, wood and really respecting wood in its many uh, shapes, forms, and, and types. Uh, Steve, your what comment about, on uh, that. Yeah, what about for our whittlers out there? Does that, uh, does that encourage the whittlers out there, the fans who are big into whittling? Is oh, that, that is uh, a, yes, that's that a is thumbs in, up? Oh, yeah, that's encouraged. Well, this is a 100% right. pro-whittler podcast. Um Whittler and uh, look, oh man, don't even get me started. Whittling, what do I love? I love sanding. 
Uh, I love getting out a jigsaw or maybe a, a little table saw. I love cutting the wood. Okay. I love cutting the wood. I love staining the wood. I love lacquering the wood. I go nuts for it. I go nuts for it. Um, Absolutely. And now celebrities out uh, Drake. I believe he's been out for a long time, but maybe just culturally it was important that people understand that he's out. Um, you know, final nail in the coffin. The sun really setting on, on Drake and his uh, sort of empire he's established in, in American media. In, you know him, you love him, creator of the British office, uh, Ricky Gervais. Love, love what he's doing. Love the podcast. Love the way he goofs on that round-headed buffoon, Carl Pilkington. Uh, love everything that he's getting into over there. What I really love is his, uh, his unique brand of uh, pretentious, smug atheism, of kind of that acerbic wit with which he tells people that he doesn't believe in God. Steve, your comments on Ricky Gervais. I'm not familiar with Rick Gervais, but uh, I do appreciate your take. And uh, look, if he's in, then he's in. I really can't say too much about it. And uh, acerbic wit is something that, that not only we are looking for, but something that everybody's looking for. Um, you know, everybody's, everybody's dying to have the answers, you know, and I, I suppose I truly believe that, that is something that, Master, uh, that Dr. Gervais is provide, providing for us. And it, it is really something that I appreciate about, about, the, about the comedy work or, uh, you know, I, I prefer to refer to it by what it really is. And that is philosophy. Mm -hmm. And yes. that is something about, uh, about Dr. Dr. Rick that, that you don't get anywhere else. You, you really, you know, these days, these are trying times and these days you don't really uh, get much, much, uh, exposure to the, the philosophical world and thinking about what is beyond. And that is a question that we're all asking. And it's something that, uh, you know, perhaps we have an answer for later in the show. So stay tuned. Maybe just maybe. Uh, now, Jordan, I have a question for you. Do you think given that it is the 18th, even though we're this far into the month, do you think that maybe just maybe we tease uh, our dear listeners with a little bit about what they can expect from the May trend report? Well, I think, I think so. I think you're, I think you're giving them a little tidbits, a little, uh, took a little cat and mouse game you guys got going on, but you know, you're thinking, you're thinking maybe I, I remove the dropper from the bottle that says trend report and then parentheses, juicy details. And maybe I lean the dropper over the mouth, the eager mouth of the listener. And I say here, I drop a single drop and I say, just a taste, just, just a, a little, little, a little taste of it. Uh, and I can, and what, this is just, this is insane. I, I mean, I'm just this this is off the rails and i really do appreciate our guest coming in here and popping in just a classic reference you know the the whole cat and mouse you know oh of course my god it's yes an, of course of it's course to, to our appearance in tom and jerry and we really just appreciate everything not only that the listeners are doing but what our guests are doing the research that they do uh in bringing tom and jerry back mm -hmm. into the fold as it should always stay so yeah it really just means so much that uh you know despite our our you know life of our fugitive life uh that warner brothers was able to reach out and say hey we will we are more than willing to put you in touch with uh some of the further reaches of the david foster wallace and gromit empire get jordan on the show thank you so much to warner brothers and uh and hbo for putting that together and uh, of course if you haven't already go check out the tom and jerry movie streaming now on hbo max uh we do have that incredible cameo in there and i do believe if you look in the show notes with the rock correct regarding the may trend report uh i can't tell you i'll give you a little teasers for entertainment i can't tell you what exactly the I want everyone to think about what the overarching theme 
the the genre, if you will, of this uh, this might be. Uh, I can tell you right now, though, that Interpol, Death Cab for Cutie, the Mars Volta, and American Football are going to be on your playlist May 2021. And that's just a little teaser for the May Trend Report. Thank wow. you so much for all of our listeners. And we, again, apologize for the lateness of the hour in which we are debuting this. Um, now, Jordan, you know, as a, our guest, you know, we want to make sure we devote as much time to you as possible sure, sure. in talking about Infinite Jest and talking about Culture at Large, David Foster Wallace's seminal work. Um, and of course, our novella of, of, uh, of your choosing, of your choosing as, as the guest this week. But there is a little bit of housekeeping that we do have to get out in front of uh, at the top of the hour or as close to as we can. And um, this is a message for Steve. Steve, we got an email in the oh. uh, David Foster Wallace and Grandma gmail.com. Please be sure to send us an email in the five star review on iTunes. Um, from Chef Jeff. Um, oh, friend, friend, foe. Um, maybe, maybe sort of, of uh, yeah, sort of the, the silent third mic in this ongoing struggle vis a vis the Operation Orangeland, Greenland, and the uh, Dracula Symposium. Subject line, this is, of course, from Chef Jeff, and this is the verified Chef Jeff emails we established last time. Subject line is Dear Stephen. <clears throat> it reads, MLBstats.com may be your life's work, but you're mine. It all started when I met your mother in a dockside bar. The year is 1982. Ebony and Ivory, in the heat of the moment, were playing on every radio station. Ronald Reagan was a new president, his, his future bright and neon colored. Cocaine was frankly everywhere. The AIDS epidemic still a couple years off. Though there were rumblings in New York, and there I was, a lonely, sexually frustrated sailor, on shore leave in old Frisco, looking for a cold beer and the company of a warm woman. I can't say more right now. The globalist cabal and Hollywood elite may be tracking this IP. I just want you to know that I'm a broken old man, broken by time and life's many defeats, looking for one more chance. Will you give me that, fellows? Will you? Steve, what do you make of this email from Chef Jeff? I think Chef Jeff is off his rocker, as he always has been. That's why he was in Ypsilanti State Hospital from the beginning. Mm. And Jordan, what do you That's think of this email from Chef Jeff directed at Steve? Uh, presumably delivering some bombshell information that Steve has now uh, denied. I think that this man is just reaching out to Steve in, in some way. You know, um, really, I think, if anything, it's a cry for help. And uh, putting the ball in Steve's court. The baseball, Steve, that is. The baseball, that is. Uh, now, Steve, what do you make of this? I mean, you know, it, insane or not, you know, um, this, this presumptive relationship he's established with you or not, uh, are you willing to extend that olive branch? I mean, we're nowhere near the relationship with him uh, as we maybe were with uh, a Dr. David Del Monte, a Damon Money, a Skib, uh, uh, an Abner Abdeel, any of Absolutely. the former mm-hmm. colleagues and confidants that we had established in our vast network of, uh, you know, the military wing of David Foster Wallace and, you know, and Gromit, the uh, Operation Greenland um, maneuvers that we were making. Um, but are you comfortable maybe opening that door and, and allowing a more intimate relationship in with, uh, with Chef Jeff, the man we know as Chef Jeff? Well, I do want to clarify something for the listeners. Uh, I mean, everybody here is aware that he pushed me out of a window, causing me to break my legs. Uh-huh. We do we do know that. Yeah. Right. I mean, I was wheelchair bound for a year. Uh-huh. 
I mean, you know that. Yeah. I mean, I know that they okay. took your legs. I remember I remember having to suitor them now, on. I remember when there were whispers of you being frozen in carbonite. I mean, I fully remember what was happening to you at Ypsilanti State, but I do have to wonder, beyond the pushing you out the window, how much of that was at Chef Jeff's hand? Look, I'm I'm on your side. I'm not advocating for him. I am a sole advocate for our new Dutch family in the Dracula Symposium and the hard work that we do uh, across the world, both uh, in tandem with and, and in spite of the globalist cabal. I just want to know where your head is at vis-a-vis -vis Chef Jeff. Right. I, I understand that. I, I do want to clarify something that, uh, you know, I'm not willing to say yes or no. Mm -hmm. um, I it's am, delicate. I am, it, it's a delicate situation. I think, you know, I suppose receiving information in any capacity live on air yeah. uh, with millions, arguably yeah. billions of listeners is is something where i can't on the spot make any decisions but i will say that uh with the baha'i with the with the influence of the great baha'i family as well as the dutch family the the people of the netherlands and and the you know, the incredible in, incredible family attitude that they've provided for us over the past uh few months you know, I, uh, Operation Orangeland is in. Operation Greenland is out. That is the yearly trend report. We're no longer going by months. We're no longer going by day-to-day. Uh, -day. Operation Greenland is no more. You know, Orangeland is the new. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure for our listeners out there, you are delivering this information with a, a, a wholehearted uh, wink. Um, you know, letting people know that maybe... Just maybe, you know, as we discussed a little bit last episode, uh, Operation Greenland could be on the table if we were to be accepted back into the arms of the globalist cabal, assuming that no harm would be done to us. Uh, Steve, I think, though, this sort of positivity, and Jordan, correct me if I'm wrong, it might behoove us to reach out to our uh, spiritual consultant that we've brought on to the David Foster Wallace and Gromit family. That is, of course, Baha'i Bill, um, sort of the the new, uh, let's, let's call him spiritual attache uh, for the David Foster Wallace and Gromit Industries family. Um, someone who's been guiding us and, and offering immense support and insight uh, throughout sort of this, uh, the trials and tribulations of Operation Orangeland, um, you know, as we've modeled it after something not dissimilar to a 12-step program, um, you know, the, the forgiveness of the self and of those around us and, and the repentance and the outreach. And Baha'i Bill has been such an incredible, incredible wellspring for that. And just a huge shout out Absolutely. to, of course, you know, Warner Brothers for putting us in touch with him. Um, it's just meant the world to us, you know, as we've navigated these uh, trials like once more. Absolutely. And the tendrils of the Baha'i family really have reached far to this point. Uh, while, while once it remained a small speck in, in, in the great line of history, uh, the Baha'i lifestyle, the Baha'i family has expanded into many of our influences, both, both uh, famous and not so famous. So, Again, we appreciate everything Warner Brothers has done, and all the all the associates at Warner Brothers, and and our our friends, our celebrity friends, and all the people who have reached out, Bradley Pitts and, uh, and yeah, other Andy such. Grammer and Rain Wilson, and it's just meant so much that you know the people that that Warner Brothers Absolutely. through Baha'i Bill has put us in touch with, and, and this incredible. I mean, look, that's the thing, you know. I right. say a Baha'i. Dr. Well. well. <laughs> I was, yes. I was, I was, I apologize on that one. I was simply going to add Dr. John Travolta into that. Oh, of course. Uh, into that Dr. list of in, influential, influential people. 
Yeah, you know, Werner Herzog sent me a text message, and mm-hmm. it, it it really only needed to say what it said. It was so simple and so yeah. elegant mm-hmm. and so poetic at the same time, and it just said, "I'm in your court." Yeah, and that and that really means effectively everything. I mean, it, it, anything you can you can understand from that is written there, and so yeah. that's just it's sometimes the simplest of messages that just carry us further you know i mean jordan you know tell us about some of the celebrities who have who have hit your lineup who have you know you've you've forwarded countless fan mail emails you know phone Mm -hmm. phone calls to us in our in our uh you know safe house here in undisclosed location tell us about some of the celebrity contacts you've made some of the celebrity contacts i've made um they're they're lesser known i mean i mean tom tom c obviously you were were talking about around you know you don't want to you don't want to blow i don't want to throw that one around too much Mm -hmm. obviously because you know um I, I I also received you know Warner Herzog definitely what a what a man give me He's things a um a Dutch one Aryan Robin I don't know how well you know but I know you're 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 in with the Dutch um wow. yeah we we share the same resentment for the Belgians so it works don't out. we all don't we all it's, yeah it works out all the same to me this is you incredible. Know? Now this is the this is the uh, professional, as they would call it, footballer in the Netherlands, yep. or the or what the Dutch would say, soccer player. Or, the old uh, orange for, foot for us. I'd say the orange foot. Wow, and mm-hmm. he was, and he he got into contact with you, and you were able to share a few words. That's fantastic. Yep, unbelievable. Yep. So the outpouring of support is global. I mean, that's that's the message here, not only to us but to the listeners, is that is that uh, that support comes in all shapes and sizes and all colors, whether it be orange or otherwise. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's fantastic. And, you know, for all the listeners out there, you know, we are quickly approaching the 50th episode spectacular. And if you want to support us, uh, you know, in, in a way similar to, excuse me, our new Dutch family and this incredible uh, international, you know, high profile support that we've received, be sure to shoot us an email at davidfosterwallsandgromit at gmail.com. Give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And, uh, and, you know, let us know what you think. Let us know where your head's at uh, regarding Operation Greenland and the translation to Operation Orangeland, as well as sort of the uh, adoption of our new Baha'i faith. Uh, we're looking to both Chef Jeff and Damon Money, of course, for this one. All right. Uh, as, our, as our guest this week, Jordan, uh, you picked yep. The Prophet by Cleo Gibran. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do, do a little synopsis, talk a little bit about the book and maybe some of your first impressions? Oh, yeah, sure. So um, The Prophet by Cleo Gibran. Um, is essentially this spiritual religious figure, what have you, um, who has spent some time in this town. Um, it's a fictional town. I forgot what he calls it in this um, orphanage. And he's leaving. He's about to get on a boat. So the, the town knows he's leaving. So they gather around there. They're asking him not to leave because, well, he's, he's really brought, you know, spirituality into their lives. And so they gather around there telling speak to us about you know life life what have you love friendship dealings all sorts of things criminal justice systems all all the good stuff that we have to go through in life and uh he leaves them with a bunch of wisdom about self-empowerment about self-love being attuned to your surroundings to your community with nature just the way you think, the way you feel. And then eventually he leaves, leaves the town saying he'll be back one day. Okay. And town's better for it. Uh, I think it's a good bit of poetry for sure. I think so. It's just metaphor after metaphor, cascading metaphors, really. Okay. 
I, I, I think the, the bit that stuck with me the most is, is the bit about talking. Okay. Because God knows I can't stop most of the time. And he addresses just that. He says that we, we talk when we're not at peace in your mind. It's like, wow, you know, that kind of hit me, you know? It's like, sure. am I ever at peace in mind? I don't know. Sure. Maybe that's why I just don't stop talking. Maybe it's I, a large uh, mouth I have on me. I don't know. It might be a large mouth kind of thing. No, I, uh, it's broken up into what? It's 20, it's 26 different teaching points. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. I, I yeah. jotted down a little, a little pull quote from each one from talking. We have, uh, in terms of what, what's considered the most indicative and significant of his sort of musings, uh, for talking, we had, um, the silence of aloneness reveals their eyes that reveals to their eyes, their naked selves, and they would escape. Uh, there are those who have truth within them, but they tell it not in words. Um, really, uh, I mean, that's, uh, I think pretty emblematic of the, the rest of the book. It's a lot of, um, what's the word like poetic, uh, contradiction and, uh, a lot of like fairly simple, unspecific guidelines for life. Uh, but Jordan, tell us a little more. I mean, you know, tell us a little more about some of your takes on it and maybe who this book would be for. I mean, I, I think this book would probably be for, for anyone. Um, I think it probably hits best when you're probably in your, in your twenties, Vulnerable. Yeah. when you're, I'd say when you're really trying to figure out life and sort of a meaning from it, I, I don't necessarily know if it's all truths. I don't know if Gibran himself believed all that he was writing. I think he was really trying to channel his thoughts through this character, mm-hmm. um, which was essentially the prophet. Um, I mean, that'd be a really interesting take on it. If it is, if it, it's a very cynical uh, approach to it, but to assume that he's writing something aware of kind of the, uh, yeah, like I said, the unspecific simplicity of it, of, of kind of um, like quasi-religious musing. If he yeah. wrote it assuming, oh, someone can, you know, uh, maybe like feign self-actualization through this, use this as a tool for, for their own kind of like, pretense um yeah but i think that would be like a very that could be a very cynical read of it i do think that maybe this is one of those cases of someone who who created this body of work this this body of musings of their own opinions i mean you you mm-hmm. a lot of authors obviously do this a lot of authors are true ideologues but this is someone who might have who compiled this of their own true philosophy um but was af- either afraid to or or dissuaded from yes. publishing it under their name as an actual philosophical dogma and instead said oh it's a it's a fictitious prophet it's, it's a fictitious town you know and you can have a little more leeway with that and i don't know i don't know personally i would say that that approach to it if that is the case uh leaves a bad taste in my mouth do you know what i mean yeah it's because it's it's more fictitious for you than in that case, not nothing like real organic. Right. It, well, it, it, it makes everything a little, um, a little tepid, you know, it makes it, it makes yeah. it a little bit uh, insignificant. If, if he didn't believe these teachings enough to publish them as his own, mm-hmm. as his own thoughts, as his own musings, then uh, it can only exist as fiction and it can only exist as important as fiction can be interpersonally. So, but, but yeah. maybe, outside the realm of a larger teaching or a larger uh, sense of like, yeah, self-actualization. I mean, I think you see the same thing with like, um, we read, we read Siddhartha for the pod mm-hmm. not too long ago. Uh, and I think that's kind of the same thing, except this f- 
sort of involves itself more with, like I said, that, that religiosity, that uh, like sort of assumed religious significance. But, um, but I don't know. I mean, what, at what state you're saying in your twenties, at what stage or what, what sort of person do you think is going to get the most out of this book? I mean, that's, that's a really good question. I don't know that at this point in my life, I don't know that I got a whole lot out of it. Um, nothing that was seriously made me would rethink my life. I think someone, I seriously think someone in their maybe early twenties who might be a bit lost about their self person and like what it means to be individually sure, yourself. Sure. Yeah, I think it probably take a lot from this. Um, I don't know if later in life this would this would help you. Maybe it come. Maybe it might help you come to peace with death and and the earth itself. Okay, and how yeah. you are just a part of this natural flow of things, and maybe that might stabilize you if that's what you're looking for. Yeah, well, I mean, it is like extremely. If if you're receptive to it, it's very palatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's it is very. Um, I mean, okay, here's a good example. I, this is from the section on death, um, like the last his last section, right? Goes to, with his bit. Uh, this is only when you drink from the river of silence shall you indeed sing. Only when you have reached the mountaintop, then you shall begin to climb. And when the earth shall claim your limbs, then you shall be true. You shall truly dance. And it's just that constant metaphorical contradiction. Where, like I said, it is. It it can be really annoying and insipid, but it is. Um, there is someone out there I well fuck it's been translated like a hundred languages there are a lot of people out there who read this and they're like peering they're peering down their spectacles at it and they read a sentence they read that sentence they read only when you drink from the river of silence shall you indeed sing and they they pull their glasses off and they rest the book on their chest and they just go "Mm." and they look out the window and they watch a bird fly by and they just go they just nod their head slowly and go i mean it's 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 yeah it's the same it's 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 the kid in in like in the plaza or the the park of nyu who's like reading this book with nothing but chaos around them right it's a guy it's a guy in a jean jacket that's just like the same thing yeah he's in like he's on the backyard he's in someone's backyard at like a house party and like a, a girl approaches him kind of being like, oh, this guy's like kind of, he's always oh, reading. He's reading at the party. Maybe he's like kind of cool and mysterious. And she right. sees this is what he's reading. This what he's reading. <laughs> it's Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's essentially. Yeah. That's... So now my question then, my, my follow-up question is, mm-hmm. is do, does this actually help anyone? Because you guys were talking about like, if it's, if it's palatable to you, I mean, I guess sure it can impact people, but does that, I mean, maybe no. I, maybe I failed to see it, but it, it's not really impactful. I mean, sure. It's full of, it's full yeah. of uh, uh, contradictory metaphors and things like that. But I, I also want to want to make a, a slight comparison to uh, Nietzsche's Zarathustra, which is sure. effectively the same premise, right? Zarathustra descends the, the hill, the mountain. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and is there on the, you know, and it's, it's a bit longer and there's more and it's drawn out, but uh, th- this effectively removes it's, it's a distilled version of that. Yeah. Right. There's no satire. There's no criticism. <laughs> Definitely and not. There's no, and there's no nuance. Yeah. No, it, no. It, it very much is trying to be a distilled philosophical religious type work and my question is, I suppose, if there isn't really nuance, in spite of being contradictory metaphors and such, if there isn't really nuance and if there isn't really unpacking you know, you know, mental gymnastics, does that actually help? I understand that it can be for people and that 
perhaps people will gravitate towards a book like this mm -hmm. and maybe they will say it'll give comfort or peace but does this actually help anyone like is there a, who would this be for that mm -hmm. i'm just trying to to multi-dimensionalize the question who would this be for do you think this actually helps anyone or do you think this just gives people something to latch on to and say aha only when i drink from silence can i truly sing hmm. yeah I, yeah, um, is, is it I think, just that effect? I think if you romanticize life a lot, I think this would probably hit you. Yeah, I think you have to be uh, a little simple for this one. No, I, I, I think, I think. Well, you bring up a point about being it help, uh, being helpful, and I think you have to first delineate uh, helpfulness and and uh, and personal growth from actual value. I don't think it's valuable. Sure. I don't think it's okay. valuable okay. or culturally significant or or powerful, impactful. But I do think that for a number of people, it has been helpful over the years because it, it is nothing save uh, amb ambiguity and empty yeah. poeticism. And I think that there are a lot of people, people that we three personally know who are looking down their glasses, who are reading tr empty poeticism. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's arranging words for the sake of arranging these words mm -hmm. and, and holding the book to their chest and going, wow, because to them, and this isn't even a mark against that kind of person. I mean, to them, that is, it, it can have that significance because it might be, look, the arrangement of words is arranged in a way that they hadn't considered before. I they they understand poetry, the concept. One could argue. Right. I mean, they understand the concept. The concepts are all pretty, I mean, like when he talks about crime and punishment, he says, what does he say? Um, like the, um, the cornerstone of the temple, what he said, yeah, the cornerstone of the temple is no higher than the the lowest of its foundation and it's like right it's just it's just it's a members of society on and on you know you can always you can further articulate all these concepts but there are plenty of people who don't want the articulation and they don't want a cafe or a salon you know kind of conversation about it they don't want sure. uh, an erudite study of these individual topics they want someone who succinctly put it in in that sort of ambiguous metaphor mm -hmm. And through that, they believe that they have a larger insight about the world. The problem is yeah. that those kind of people, if they read it at, say, the point in life that we're at, can develop a personality around it. Whereas I think you read it in high school, it's part of maturation. You just kind of grow past it. And eventually you have your own thoughts and your own feelings. I think, I think this is a book that, I'm, yeah, I don't think it's valuable. I think it can be helpful. And I think it can be dangerous because I think these are... Yeah. very simple concepts that a lot of people, again, people we might know mm -hmm. have built their identities around. Right. Sure. I, and, I kind of, yeah. so like, I, I feel like the modern version of this, cause it was written in the twenties. The modern version of this is like someone writing an article saying, if I were to give a high school or college graduation speech, yeah, this is, yeah. this is yeah. what I would say is, Absolutely. is, is to me is what, what it kind of came down to. I would, I would also have to yep. say that this that's, is... This, that's pretty spot on. Yeah. Well, this feels yeah. very um, uh, reminiscent of uh, our friend of the pod, Rupee Carr's uh, Milk and Honey. Um, yeah. Very similar kind of concepts. Uh, very similar so, kind of presentation. I haven't yeah. read it, but I did. Oh, you know what it is? It's, it's a revelation. Is well, it, I, my I, my I, sister found a lot of meaning through that book, but she also also recommended me this one. So I thought... She gave me this and I gave her the milk and honey and she, 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 she really, really likes both. Have you, have you seen the video of Rupi Carr reading it aloud? I have not. No. I got to pull something up real quick. 
Neither, <laughs> neither have I, but let me, let me just jump into a, further, a, a follow-up question about this book and about this, uh, you know, because I do want to bring sure. back Siddhartha because we did talk about Siddhartha uh, previously and maybe Jordan, you haven't read that, but in any case, I'll, I'll, I'll make it quick. Um, I, think, I think a lot of the impact of Siddhartha that maybe made it such a renowned story in the past and is sort of a, a classic classroom book I think a lot of that was lost nowadays because basically we've heard to death the idea of uh, money can't buy you happiness. So mm-hmm. hearing hearing a kind of philosophically presented story about that has lost a lot of its weight because, you know, you can put it in a different context, but it effectively brings the same effect. You know, it brings it has, it has the same meaning. So my question is, I guess... What do you guys think about this? Is this also an instance of that where maybe at the time this was something where someone could look at it and really say, wow, maybe there's more meaning in my silence or maybe maybe there's something I can learn or, you know, likening a society to the foundation of a building or did this actually kind of change the way people think? Whereas nowadays we've kind of had, you know, I, I felt like reading this. I had never read it before. I had heard of it, but I hadn't read it. I hadn't looked at it. And it's very familiar. It's a lot of the same thing we hear about over and over again. You know, uh, I want to bring up the whole, the whole thing on uh, good and evil. And the mm. prophet says, well, I can speak to you. You know, one of the townspeople says, can you speak to us of good and evil? And the prophet says something to the effect of, I can speak to you of good, but I can't speak to you of evil. Because there is no such thing. It's simply the absence of good. That's not exactly what he said, but it's it's roughly something along those lines. And it's like, yeah, we've pretty much we've pretty much heard that. I mean, whether or not you subscribe to that idea, it's uh, you know it's a dead horse that's been beaten. And so I'm wondering, do you guys think that kind of the effect of time has worn uh, has kind of worn this down? Have, we've heard a lot of these concepts. I mean, yeah. I mean, because you. Could you imagine reading this in the twenties? I feel like it'd be, I feel like it it probably hit you harder in the in the twenties than it, it would now, obviously, because yeah, maybe. maybe I think I it's, mean, it was probably pretty rote in the twenties too. You think so? I mean, yeah, true. I mean, because maybe a lot of people in the twenties, or at least, like I said, I feel like this is a dumbed down Nietzsche, you know, and and Zarathustra is from. 1880 or something yeah. like that yeah. this is from 1920 so maybe there were a lot of people that read that you know thus spoke so that I mean, there, were, Nietzsche. there were deeper things yeah. in 20s for sure but i think the simplicity of this is probably but yeah, i don't think it was more I think palatable in the 20s this still wasn't something for the vast majority of people this was something that was still mm-hmm. relegated to salons and cafes and those people beyond maybe. nietzsche but beyond actual philosophers at the time and, and before those were people who were intimately familiar with various religious texts as well. And I think if you've read sure. the Bible, if you've read the, the the Quran, or if you've read really any sort of significant religious text or even like religious theory, then this is like, I honestly, I think that maybe it hits harder now because in the twenties, there were probably a number of people, well-educated people who had got their hands on this who felt insulted of that sort of same like cafe society. Okay. So well, closing thoughts, in, any, yeah. in any case, I, I do just want to clarify that, uh, that, I mean, I, I agree. I, I agree effectively that, uh, or, well, I guess I'm the one that posited the question, but I, you know, I, you agree with yourself. What else? <laughs> I, do? I agree with myself. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I do think, like I said, this, this, uh, this, this is a marketable, um, this is a marketable actual book. I like mean, this is a distilled version of books that have already been written. You can buy a pocket-sized version. I, I, I honestly think it's just yeah. the simplicity that 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 people are drawn to it. Yeah, it's for. it's it's simple and it's repetitive and it's yeah. you know it's it's kind of you know and I don't want to rip into it or rip into the people that like it. But I mean, look, platitudes are popular. Yeah, quick quick chapters are popular. These these are things that are popular. It's it's easy to digest. It's easy to digest non-invasive non-invasive concepts and yeah. concepts like you know silence is your strength and like these types of things it's easier right so i think this is this takes a, a concept that's already been done in the 1880s like i said with nietzsche of somebody coming down and really facing people you know somebody who is removed right the idea of an alien coming to earth and that is kind of what nietzsche did in the 80s 1880s uh, and and facing people with with an outsider, and this is that, but um, no conflict, no yeah. no no cynicism, no satire, and uh, yeah, it's very non-invasive. And maybe there's merit in that to some people. It's definitely um, designed around um, uh, structurally, and and in terms of the points made, it's designed so that you can open it to any chapter and read any of these yep, lines exactly. and get the same yep. takeaway based on no matter what the chapter exactly. is, you get the same kind of like moral sure. lesson. Yep. Yeah. Sure. Um, is this the dazed and confused of literature? Maybe, maybe damn. This is, this is sort of the link later adjacent type yeah. poeticism. Uh, it looks like we're actually almost out of time. It looks like, and we didn't get a chance to talk about infinite jest this week. Unfortunately, of course, our, our fans have been waiting patiently and uh, we will not disappoint next week. And then as we approach the 50th episode spectacular, um and next week we will once more have a guest a mystery guest and we will be reading um the lottery in babylon uh, by borges it's going to be a, a real treat really excited for that uh, as, we, as we mentioned toward the end of last episode jorge luis borges is a, is is a favorite of ours and and one of one of the south american classics you know we like to we like to fall back on south america whenever we get the chance uh, Colombia and, and such. So we're going to Argentina and uh, and reading some Borges, uh, who is who is maybe on the on the flip side of the one we read today. I mean, Borges is about as nuanced <laughs> is about as nuanced and uh, invasive as you can possibly get. Yeah, it's some of the some of the weirdest and sometimes goofiest yeah. uh, ideas and yeah, I mean plots really excited who's be a good to time. say who's to say if there are even plots in a lot of his stuff all right so, and uh, uh i guess you know um uh, for closing thoughts jordan go ahead and rate the experience of being on the david foster wallace and grommet podcast out of 10 out of, out of 10 like a scale of one to 10 yes oh, I'd, I'd probably give it like a 9.9 we love to hear it uh okay for everyone Incredible. listening out there we'll be back next week with uh, with borges and uh, our mystery guest uh jordan anything you want to plug before you go you know, I just, you know, you, you, you guys have said it. I know, I know you've been harping on uh, the Netherlands, but again, I think I just really want to plug the Netherlands. It's, it's a beautiful country. You know, if you Absolutely. ever have a chance, we're talking about slanted houses. We're talking about rivers, bicycles, very easy to drink beer. I mean, that's, that's, that's all I got. Thanks again, guys. All right, Steve, any closing thoughts? 
Absolutely. I do just want to piggyback on what Jordan said, and that is a big thank you to the country of the Netherlands and our Dutch family. We appreciate everything they've done. We appreciate the color orange and uh, stay tuned till next week. We'll really be jumping headfirst into, into that swimming pool of orange juice. All right. And uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks, everybody.